Father God, we bless you tonight. You are Jehovah, the God who continues to be who you have always been. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And before you're seated tonight, each of you, I just encourage you to confess this scripture with me tonight. If we be an evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to tell you there is always more with Him. Paul said in Ephesians 3.19, in, in, in praying for the saints at Ephesus, he prayed that they might be filled with the fullness of God. That's a bold prayer if you really think about it. It really, really is. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here tonight. And uh, I'm so happy that my lovely wife, Mickey, was able to make the journey with me and uh, love coming back. It's been a number of years since I was here. But you may not realize it. Well, I'm sure you do. But you guys have impacted the city in which I live through Mark Lender and Joe Rubolin and the dwelling place uh, that uh, the vision that the Lord gave Pastor Larry uh, to have a network of churches and to oversee them. That blessing made its way to Florence, Alabama. And our city is a better city in which to live because the dwelling place is there. And we love our brothers and sisters over at the dwelling place. So thank you, Pastor Larry and Sister Nancy, and all of you for being part of a vision like that. I just think that's awesome. Well, my name's Eddie Lawrence, as Pastor mentioned. And I grew up in Alabama my wife was born in Los Angeles, well, not Los Angeles, Pasadena, California, which is in the Los Angeles area, until the age of five. Then the Lord sent her all the way to Alabama so that she and I could meet. We uh, just logged our 45th year. We were married in the third grade, obviously. You know. We have four children three of which are married. We still have a 30-year-old son who's at home with us, and, and uh, he's on the hunt. So uh, we have nine, uh, eight grandchildren. Number nine is on the way. We'll arrive here in May. So we've got a, a good tribe going. We're enjoying life. We pastor at Grace House in Florence, Alabama. And I know Pastor Doc Shell has been here and over at Pastor Jeff's as well. And he's, uh, we consider him our granddaddy pastor. So we're having a good time. I'll tell you something. In the last uh, four or five weeks, things have just radically shifted for us. And I think that's beginning to break out in a number of places. And I uh, hope to mention that a little bit sometime during this weekend. But we've just been seeing some, God do some very powerful things, some, uh, some incredible miracles and so I'm here tonight with expectancy in my heart. I know that you, you, you're a word church, you're a spirit church, you're fed well, and I, I'm honored to be able to come and share with you tonight. And I, I'll be sharing a little testimony through the weekend. I really don't know the exact way the weekend's going to go, but tonight I want to begin in John chapter 20. I want to share a verse of scripture with you in just a moment as you look that up. I'll continue to rattle on. Then we'll jump in the Word. 
And I want to encourage you tonight to be open and allow God to do what He wants to do in your life. Let's not set the bar too low. With Him, all things are possible. Regardless of your situation tonight, He's able to make a way when there seems to be no way, right? And it's absolutely amazing what He can do. I was schooled in um, Southern Baptist life. Actually, I grew up a free will Baptist. There's all kind of Baptist. And uh, when I, my wife and I married, she was a missionary Baptist, which really Southern Baptist. And, and she and I argued a lot. And I, we ended up moving up to her neck of the woods, as we would say back in Alabama. And at, that was, um, that's when I really started getting in the Word for myself and learning for myself. And Ended up, the Lord called us into the ministry. I ended up going to the most conservative Baptist seminary that I could, I could find. I went to Memphis, Tennessee at, to uh, Mid-America Theological, Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, worked at uh, Bellevue Baptist Church as an intern under Dr. Adrian Rogers, if you've ever heard of him. Just prince of preachers and learned so much there. And uh, pastored in Mississippi and then we eventually moved back to Alabama and while pastoring at First Baptist Church of Haleville, Alabama, I thought I had arrived and had everything on paper. I could check all the boxes, what I thought it meant to be successful in ministry. But after my, about my third year there, I loved Jesus, witnessed to people, gave, tried to be a good pastor, believed the Word of God, every word of it. But I found myself just... Uh, confronted by the Scripture itself, particularly when it came to the book of Acts. Because I would read the book of Acts, and I would see something in the book of Acts that I didn't see in me. I saw a power surging and operating in the early church that I did not see in the church which I pastored. I saw the Spirit of God doing things, quite honestly, that I had been encouraged not to even believe that God any longer did. And I want to tell you something tonight. Unless our ministries of the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. No man can receive anything except it be given him from above. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abides in me, and I in him the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Zero. Goose egg. We need the power of of the Holy Spirit operating in our life. And, and I would read the Gospels, and Jesus was prepping His disciples for His exodus, and He made a staggering statement. He says, it's expedient, or it is necessary that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go back to the Father, so the Holy Spirit can come. And you trip on that a little bit. And then I, I ran into the Scripture where He said, the works that I do... Shall you do also and greater works than these? And I, I had to be honest that like most of the works that Jesus, we, were, we weren't seeing that much less dreaming of doing something beyond that. In John chapter 20, Jesus has died on the cross, been buried, and has been raised from the dead. At his first gathering of his disciples, lest the disciple Thomas, he gathered them together, appeared to them on the evening of resurrection morning. 
And he um, appeared to them. He showed them the scars in his hand. He showed them the scar in his side. And then in verse 21, let me read that. He's, so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they had already, before he died on the cross in his earthly ministry, they had been sent out. They saw that demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. They had been by Jesus' side as he healed the blind, healed the lame, raised the dead, walked on water, multiplied bread, turned water into wine, all the wonderful things he did. They were with him. They went out in his name. They saw God doing things. And yet, Jesus makes this statement after he's been raised from the dead, when he appears to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He goes, receive the Holy Spirit. So, up to that point, we have to assume they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. They were operating under His authority and seeing God move. But now He's breathing on them and telling them to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm assuming they did. I mean, just from the evidence in the Scripture, they received the Holy Spirit. So at that moment, they, the Holy Spirit was received into them. Now, if you'll remember, the first man created Adam... He received the life of God when God breathed on him. Genesis 2-7, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So Adam, the first man, was sinless, perfect. God breathed on him, and he came alive as a man. When Adam opened his eyes after God breathed on him, the first face he ever saw was the face of God. The first voice he ever heard was the voice of God. The first human emotion he ever experienced was the love of God because God is love. He stood up as a man full of the Spirit of God, immersed in the love of God, seeing the face of God, hearing the voice of God, dwelling in the garden of God, a place called Eden, Hebrew word means paradise, or the place of pleasure. So there he was in a place of pleasure, face to face with God, fellowshipping with God. God took a rib out of his side, caused a deep sleep to come on him, took a rib out of his side, formed the woman, and the Bible says God brought the woman to the man. So if God brought her to Adam, before she was with Adam, she was with God. So we have a man who first has a relationship with God that is now introduced to a woman who has first had her relationship with God and the man and woman were brought together in the place called pleasure to live under the regency of God as his governors of this earth he had created to exercise dominion in earth to keep, to tend, and to till, to be fruitful and to multiply. 
That's, that's God's idea of marriage. A man who's met God and a woman who's met God is brought together by God and then they're fruitful and they multiply and they fill the earth. That's the first Adam. But Jesus came as the last Adam, the second man. He was formed in Mary's womb, the seed of God placed in her womb, a creative miracle by the Holy Spirit. So he was full of the Spirit. But yet at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came down and remained upon him to empower him for public ministry. Now where I'm going tonight is I want to talk to you about the difference between the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit and the upon you ministry of the Holy Spirit. The difference between receiving the Holy Spirit at your conversion where you receive the life of God, the Spirit of God into your spirit and the experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of God comes upon you just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit came down and remained upon Him to empower Him to fulfill his, uh, God's purpose for Him on the earth. People are, are confused about all the terminology concerning the Holy Spirit because we talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Luke uh, 24, uh, 59 talks about being endued or clothed with power from on high. But turn the page in your Bible from where we were in John chapter 20 and you'll be uh, in Acts chapter 1 after uh, chapter 21 of John, then Acts chapter 1. And we'll pick up at verse 4, because this is right before Jesus' ascension. I want you to see this. And being assembled together with them, that is with his disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In John chapter 20, these disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling them. Yet Jesus tells them, I want you to wait. There's something else you're going to need before you go out and obey my command to go into all the, all the world. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament line of prophets. We, the Bible even tells us he did no miracles. But he, he had that prophet's mantle on him. He was the forerunner preparing the way for Jesus. And before Jesus was ever introduced... He was telling people, there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not even worthy to unlatch. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But when he gets here, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus lived his three years, uh, I mean lived his 30 years, began his public ministry for about three years, and then he died on the cross, was buried, was raised from the dead, and right before he ascended, now he tells these disciples, you're about to receive the promise of the Father and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And approximately 
Ten days later, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues and so forth. But what I'm wanting you to see here is the difference between when they received the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. If, if we had a glass, uh, empty glass up here that you could see and I was pouring water in it and I kept pouring water in it, you would see it filling up until it filled up and then it would begin to overflow. That, that would be like being the, the, the Spirit coming to dwell in you and then you uh, learning to live the Spirit-filled life. The indwelling Holy Spirit, what, he allows, what, what He's up to in our life in His indwelling is to form in us the character of Jesus Christ. Father wants us to be conformed into the image of His own dear Son. So, and as He is, we begin to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These things, we begin to manifest those as we are led by the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. The way we manifest who our Father is... The way we manifest our true identity in the world is by following the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit. But see, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. Romans 8 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. The Holy Spirit comes into us, Romans 8 says, and begins to say, Abba, or Papa. Daddy God. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing that the initial ministry of the Holy Spirit is to regenerate us, bring the life of God into us, apply the mediatorial work of Jesus to our life, reconcile us to God, and then he begins to say, Abba. In other words, he begins to assure us who our daddy is. And so it's so important that you know who your father is, to whom you belong. God wants you to know he is your father. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to assure us that God is our father because he cries out, Abba, Father. We haven't been given a spirit of bondage again unto fear. So, this happens when we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. See that glass of water. And so as we listen and obey and follow the Holy Spirit, we, we can, we're, we're to be filled over and over and over again. Just like uh, driving when we left Alabama and made the trip up here, guess what? We had to stop at the service station a couple of times, right? Why? Obvious, right? We had to fill back up. And similarly... In this, in this life, in your day-to-day -day life, and the challenges and the fair and the battles that you face, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because your attitudes can start to get raunchy, or you become irritable, or grumpy. You may lose your or you start flying, or you know, those kind of things. It's because you need to be refilled. And you're refilled by abiding in Christ. 
the intimate life you have with Christ. He's the vine, you're the branch. You abide in Him. Now that's all about when you get saved and how you live the Christian life. That's the reason you can have people that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they can have a devotional life and be in the Word, bear the fruit of the Spirit, and yet maybe they've been taught to literally oppose. Well, I've already got all the Holy Spirit I can have. Well, the Holy Spirit's not piecemealed out. But there's nobody that's got all of Him. <laughs> I mean, He's in Africa right now, and I'm not, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, that, it's pretty, pretty simple, right? And so, many of us have been taught in the past that anything beyond that is not scriptural. And amazingly, uh, we can even be taught that God doesn't even do the things any more than He did in the book of Acts. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, tongues will, there'll be a time when tongues will cease and prophecies will cease. But when? When that which is perfect has come. They say, oh, but that's when the Bible, we got the whole Bible. Well, the early church had the whole living word. He walked with them three years. But it goes on to say, not only... Uh, when that which is perfect had come, but you'll know as you're known, and you'll see, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. He's talking about when Jesus comes back, and everything's consummated. Well, we won't need to prophesy. I mean, we won't have to worry about the future. We'll be in the eternal now. We won't need tongues, because we'll know as we're known. You know, we'll, we're going to have a glorified body. We're gonna, there's going to be a, a different type of existence. But there's nowhere in the Scriptures where we are educated in any way to relegate the Holy Spirit to the back room for Tuesday night. Listen, if we want to see our nation changed and we want to see our families changed and we want to see our marriages being what they need to be, we need the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the filling or the indwelling is that glass of water that gets full. Well, now take that glass of water and put that down into a bucket of water. Now, you're seeing what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The word baptized means to be immersed or enveloped within. It was used in classical Greek of a ship sinking underneath the surface of the water or someone who's dyeing a cloth, taking that cloth and plunging it down into a vat of dye until it soaks all of that up. That's the picture of baptism, like being baptized in water. That water is a watery grave, and you are buried with Christ by baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, envelops you, you're indwelt, you want to be full of the Spirit, but then... He overflows and envelops you. And that's a one-time. That's a one-time thing. Just like when you were indwelt, you received the Holy Spirit for the first time. That's a one-time thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know when that happens. But you're to go on being filled and filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. Now, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's about power. We just read it in, in Acts chapter 1. They had already received the Holy Spirit. He said, you tarry, and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And in verse 8, he said, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit that comes at the baptism of the Holy Spirit equips you to be bold in your witness. It, I, I, it activates the gifts uh, to a whole new level. I had uh, seminary trained all the way through my doctoral degree. And yet, after 15 years of pastoring, I came to the place, if there's not more than this, then I can't, I can't be honest with this book. If there's not more than this, I might as well just put this up and quit. Because I became convinced that what they had, I could have. That what Jesus said for the church back then, He's saying for the church today. And I won't go into all my testimony about that tonight, but when it happened, the Word came alive as never before. I started seeing uh, angels in my bedroom at night for a season, just like trip my breakers. I started seeing God move and healing people. I started seeing gifts flowing that I had not experienced before. I had to go through this whole process of learning how they operate. All of that happened when I opened my heart to receive what I'd been taught wasn't even for us. Let God be true and every man a liar. We better stick with the book. Because you can't get what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to give you reading some self-help book. You're not going to get it from being highly educated by the best theological professors on planet earth. You're not going to get it any of those ways. It's going to come when you humble yourself open yourself up and say, Lord, I want all you have for me. And everything begins to shift and change because there's a boldness and there is a power. The dear sister mentioned Asbury. Uh, we had a number of our people that went to Asbury and among them uh, was a family who had a, a teenage boy in our student ministry. And he goes up, and then he shared a testimony when he came back. And He, like many other people, were waiting in a long line to get into the building somewhere. And they waited hours outside. But while he was waiting outside, someone prayed for him, and he got baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues in the, prayer, in the waiting line at Asbury. He came back and he shared that testimony and he made a statement that still, it still just resonates within me every time I think about it. He stood before our church and said, as he shared the testimony, he said, you know what? And this is the teenage boy, teenage young man. He said, I did not realize how empty I was until I discovered how full I could be. And I believe there's so many people like that. You don't know till you know. There's always more with the Lord. Always more. Nobody's got the corner of the market when it comes to Holy Spirit. And whatever your need is in your life tonight, He is more than able to bring that about. My ministry shifted radically after I had an encounter with God 
and was baptized with this power about which I'm speaking tonight. My wife can bear witness to it. I'm, I, after that happened, I, was, I, was, I fasted three to five days a week for months. And it was easy because I didn't even want to stop to eat. I wanted to pray. I wanted to be in the Word. I, wanted, I tried to find somebody limping so I could pray for them. You know, just, it just, just my, my right arm and hand shook for like six or seven days. I could not stop the trembling. It was like electricity coursing through my body. Then I began, I got into a little trouble. I was pastoring the First Baptist Church. But it, it, here, here's the things that were brought against me. You are praying too much. Our services are too much like revival services. The Spirit of God just started moving. And we started, I started seeing people healed and things changing. And it was just amazing. I want to share uh, a testimony with you tonight about when God started dealing with me about uh, ministering in the area of healing. Because this, again, after I had this power encounter with God, I, I was speaking in tongues, I was praying in tongues. Uh, all, this, all this was new. It was just new to me. And what was really important to me was being able to find what I was experiencing in the Scripture. And I went from looking at reading the book of Acts months before and saying, Lord, why aren't we seeing this? And why, why, why is this not happening today? Until after I had this experience, uh, just a few weeks in, I could go back to the book of Acts and say, well, I saw that yesterday. Well, that happened last Thursday. Well, I saw this on, on Monday. God started doing the things. I started seeing those things in my ministry. Well, I want to drop back just a little bit. When I, when I went to this particular church to be their pastor, there was a woman and her husband who came in to see me. This was like my third day on the job. Her name was Miss Sharon. And she came in and they introduced themselves because I'm their new pastor. And she said, Dr. Lawrence, I, I, I wanted to come and talk to you today because the Lord has laid something on my heart I'm supposed to share with you. Well, that was a little different for me. And uh, I said, well, okay. So we sat down in my office, and she looked at me, and she talked this way. She said, uh, and then she called me Brother Eddie at this point. She said, Brother Eddie, she said, God has told me he wants to give you a gift of healing. And I sat there a moment, and then I looked at her, and I said, Well, dear sister, I feel if the Lord wants to do something like that, He'll tell me about it. Just kind of smug. And they were sweet, and we, we shared our pleasantries, and they went on. Now, three years later, without going to all the details, I got desperate. God started, he sent me four witnesses over four days. And I may tell you about Bucky Baker before the weekend's on her. I don't know. But it culminated in the beginning speaking tongues, had this power encounter with God.
And then uh, just a couple, three months after that, a couple of my buddies at church that had secretly been going off to these meetings with me because we're hungry, came to me and said, we heard about this man in Detroit, Michigan named Kim Clement. He's a prophet guy. And they said, we feel like we're supposed to go. We want you to pray about going with us. Well, I didn't really know who he was. And so, but here's what I was learning during this time. God really will talk to you. And I had just started conversing with the Lord, and I would hear his voice, and it was fun. So I said, Lord, I've been asked by these brothers to go up to Detroit, Michigan, to this meeting where this Kim Clement guy is. And uh, um, so I need you to let me know, should I go on this trip? And quickly I heard him say, yes, I want you to go. But it, it, and it was so forceful when he said it, I thought, well, that sounds really important. And so I said, Lord, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but why do you want me to go? He said, if you go, you're going to enter into a realm of healing. Now, that really got my attention. I thought, you mean there's other realms? Because I've just been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, probably might, might should have been tied up for about two or three weeks. <laughs> but uh, and he, he, he said, I, you'll enter into a realm of healing. I said, well, Lord, again, I don't want to be presumptuous, but that sounds pretty heavy duty. Would you please confirm this is you? I want to make sure this is you. And I needed to let them know within a week. So that was early in the week, like on a Tuesday. That Sunday came around, I preached. I went back to my office Sunday evening. At that time, we had Sunday evening service, and I um, was getting ready. And I noticed that in my printer tray that there was a sheet of paper that had printed out. And I had not printed anything out when I left there Friday. You know, I, everything was clean. And I picked up that sheet of paper, and it had a scripture on it. And I looked, and it was a scripture out of Ezekiel, and it basically said this. You, you can look it up. It says, See those that go to the north country, they shall find rest in my spirit in the north country. Well, if you're from Alabama, and you're praying about whether or not you're supposed to go to Detroit, Michigan, and feel like the Lord's told you if you go, you're going to enter. There was no scripture in the Bible. Now, I'm out of context when I'm reading it. But see, God will give you a rhema word that it may not be in context for the reason it was originally given, but it becomes a rhema now word for you in that moment that is a word of direction for you in your circumstance or situation. So when I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, I still don't know where that came from. It just printed out on my printer. But see, I believe God does stuff like that too. And so I called my buddies and I said, well, I've got a confirmation. I, I'm going to go. I, I'm not going to miss this trip. Got our tickets. Date came. We flew up there. Nobody knew we were going. I'm flying under the radar because I'm pastoring there at the church. And I'm, I'm learning about all this. And, and I, understand, I understand I was called to be a Baptist preacher. And, and I, I wanted to do right by them too. But yet I'm growing and I'm learning. And, and so we go to Detroit, Michigan. And I get to this meeting. And it, 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 it was uh, kind of like in an inner city. And I, we get there a little early and we get a seat. And people started coming in. And, 
And then the service got ready to start, and these young people came out. They had choir risers, and they had black T-shirts on with white letters that said K-D-B-G. And uh, right in the middle of them was another young man that had a T-shirt that, I'm I'm just telling you what it said, okay? It said, Satan sucks. I mean, right there in church. And I asked somebody, I said, what does that KDBG mean? I mean, I'm just curious. Somebody next, I said, you go, yeah, what's that mean? They said, kick devil's butt generation. And I thought, I've never been around anything like this. I'm sorry. I thought, what have I got myself into? And then uh, this guy, Kim Clement, comes out, and there's a, he's got a guy playing the bass guitar that's slapping that plank. And he's playing the piano, and he's playing the piano, and he starts prophesying, and he starts doing rap on the piano. He's doing like, God might get in the fire, get in the fire with you. God might get in the fire, get in the fire with you. And he'd stop, and he'd talk about that, and he'd rap a little bit. I mean, this place is rocking. You see what the Lord was doing? He was stretching me. I hadn't been around this anything like this, but I'm hungry. And I knew the Lord had confirmed I was supposed to be there. And I, I had enough uh, theological education to know that God is omniscient, which means he, he knew what they were going to be doing, and He knew who was going to be there, and He knew what was going to be said. So I go through the service, and it was good. And then they, had a, they, they didn't have a ministry time where you go up and pray. And they just dismissed the service. And I thought, well, my goodness, the Lord sent me up here. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been to enough meetings now that I've learned what ministry time is. And, you know, I was, I was going to get in, get in line for ministry time. And they just dismissed. And the pastor of the church they had introduced earlier, I saw him walking uh, toward an exit. I run across the room. I jumped in front of him. And I knew he was, I could tell he was, needing, he was trying to get out of there. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't want to take much of your time. My name is Eddie Lawrence. I came from Alabama. I pastor, and the Lord told me if I'd come up here, I was going to, get a, 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 going to enter in the realm of healing. Would you pray for me? And I, he probably thought, where did this, what's going on with this guy? But I, I'm, I'm just hungry. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to seize the moment. And so he prayed for me. I didn't feel a thing. Nothing happened. And then we went back to our hotel room, got on the plane the next morning, flew back to Alabama, got home late that uh, evening by the time we got home. So the following morning, I'm back at church. And doing my pastoral duties, and one of our uh, older uh, members, a lady comes in, and I'm talking to her. And she mentions, well, I'm really struggling with my sinuses. And I invited her into my office and closed the door. And I said, would it be all right if I prayed with you? And she said, okay. And then I, by then I'm carrying an anointing oil in my pocket. And I pull it out and I said, could I put some of this anointing oil on your forehead and just pray for you? And she said, uh, well, okay. And I, I showed her in the scriptures where that's what we do. And I anointed her with oil. And... She got a little woozy, and she said, oh, I feel so much better. She said, you know, why did we ever stop doing that? I remember when I was a little girl, we we would pray for people like that. And so that was just a little something that happened. Well, my secretary buzzed back. I picked up the phone. She said, Dr. Lawrence, you've got a phone call 
uh, from, from Miss Sharon. I said, okay, I'll take it. I just let the other lady out, and I answered it. Remember the lady three years earlier? Came into my office and said, Brother Eddie, God said he wants to... Okay, she didn't, she didn't know we, I, any of the, the... The church is not aware of all this is happening to me other than something's changed. She didn't know I'd gone to Detroit, Michigan. She calls me. I said, good morning, Miss Sharon. She said, Brother Eddie, the Lord told me that if you would come to my house today, I would be healed. Now, let me tell you why that's important. She was born with, with spina bifida. She had spent over, at one time, over 12 months in a complete body cast. She was constantly at home in bed for days at a time with excruciating pain. At this time, when she went places, she had metal uh, braces on both legs and both arms, and she went like this to move. She called me and said, Brother Eddie, the Lord said, if you would come and pray for me today, I would be healed. So I said, well, okay, Miss Sharon, I'll be over there in a little bit. I hung up, and I looked up, and I said, well, Lord, I'm going to find out if that was you or not now. It was just one of those kind of moments. I called one of my buddies that had gone to Detroit with me and invited him to go with me. I wanted somebody to go with me. We go to her house. She's probably uh, 55 years old at that time. and 55, 60, that age range. Sweet lady, just, but just physically in really bad shape. Invited into her home, sit down. We small talk a moment. Then I said, well, let's, let's just pray. Started praying. The Lord began to give me a few words of knowledge about when she was a little girl. Something that happened with her and her sister. She was born a twin. And I found all this out afterwards. But... Uh, the Lord was just really putting his finger on something, led her through some prayer. And then I said, well, I want to I anoint you now and pray for you. So I anointed her and began to pray, just simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I thank you that you bore this sickness in your body on the tree. I speak to these bones now. I command them in the name of Jesus to be healed. I bind all pain. I command it away. Miss Sharon, dear sister, be healed in Jesus' name. Prayed a simple prayer like that. She said, my feet, my feet, my feet, they're tingling. She had not had any feeling at all in her feet over, for over 20 years. My feet, they're tingling, they're tingling. And then she, she stood up and she said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Looked at her husband and said, Take these things off of me. He started unbuckling these braces off her legs, the un unlatching these braces. She had these metal things on her arm that had poles on them that would help her walk. Took all of that off, just piled them up in the floor. She stands up, starts spinning around. She said, I'm healed. 
I'm healed. She starts crying. I start crying. Everybody in the room's crying. We're praising God. We're just slobbering. We're just rejoicing. Just to see this happen. I mean, only God could do something like that. And then she told her husband, said, open that door. It was the door that went out of the room we were in, out into her driveway. He goes over and opens the door. She walks over there to the threshold, and she goes, leaps over the threshold. She said, I hadn't got to do that since I was a little girl. We went out on, outside then and had another praise party, talked a little bit, and I said, well, we, we've, we've got to go. This is just awesome. I mean, we're just like, this is amazing. And folks, I got in that car, me and my, my brother in the Lord did, and I drove out a driveway, and when I looked in my rearview mirror, I told him, I said, look back there. I could see it in the rearview mirror. He turned around. She had both hands in the air, and she was running circles in her driveway. Just like this. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Well, when she showed up on church on Sunday morning, that was different. People had questions, things were. And then we had another lady that had a, a very similar healing, a major healing. She'd been in out of a Mayo hospital. We started seeing these kind of things happen and continue to see them happen. I'll, I'll share a testimony with you tomorrow, tomorrow night. It's, it's just amazing that something God recently did. He's a healer. And I just want to with every fiber of my being, encourage everyone in the room, even those of us who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, to realize don't, don't settle. Don't let up. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is He that's in you than he who is in the world. Because when you read in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, upon them like Peter, the one who was the coward by the fire? No, I don't know him. I don't know him. Now he stands up in front of all the household of Israel and people gathered from around the world that are Jewish peoples. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you have crucified, God has now made both Lord and Christ. And they were cut to their hearts. And they began to cry out, Tell us, what must we do? He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, salvation is for all that call on the name of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is present in the life of every person that's saved. But there is more, dear friends. There is the coming upon you ministry, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That can happen sub, sub, uh, subsequent to salvation or at the time of salvation. Call it what you want to. Just get in on it. There's always more. And God wants to use you in powerful ways. The answer that you need for your breakthrough may come when you're jettisoned into that new place, being enveloped in the power of the Holy Spirit. The boldness, the courage. We need the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we need the upon us ministry of the Holy Spirit. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers 
of living water. When you got saved, you see, you got a drink of the water of life, the well of salvation. That's the indwelling and the filling. But when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now that's letting the river loose. That to minister to others, to give away to others, to impact the world, to be a witness, to lay hands on, your, on the sick and see them healed, to cast out demons, to do the work of God in the same power that Jesus did. Because remember, he, he had the Holy Spirit from the womb. But yet the Holy Spirit came upon him when it came time for him to step out and begin his public ministry. Powerful one-two punch that God makes available to us. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I wonder what He might desire to do in your life here tonight. I just encourage each and every one of us, let's not put God in the proverbial box. Number one, you can't do that. <laughs> you may think you can. But you can wall yourself away from what He has for you in the box that you built for Him. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, be glorified. Be magnified. In each life in this room tonight, have your way, O oh Lord. Have your way, O oh Lord. We want to have a time of ministry here in a few moments. I, I feel like it's just to go ahead and transition into that time now. Make room to pray for people. And I, I want to encourage you, if, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you read the book of Acts, most of the time it happened as a result of the laying on of hands. Not every time, but most of the time. Most of the time it happened People spoke in other tongues. Now, there's some occasions when we're not told that happened, but we're not told it didn't happen either. And I would encourage you to desire that as well. I believe that's part of the arsenal we have been given access to as believers is to have that spiritual language. And sometimes it's the ability to speak in an unknown natural tongue. And there's many stories of how God still does that as well. Father God, I just come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, to, to move up and down these rows tonight. And Lord Jesus, we're just humbling ourselves before you because we know that without you, not a thing can happen. You're the healer, Lord. You're the Savior. You're the one who sets free. But you've called us in your name to share this message, Lord, and invite people to receive what you offer them.